This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week in the studio, Adam Nehas. He's the executive director of Artisan Alley. Adam, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thank you for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Now, there's a lot going on with Artisan Alley. Even beyond that, there's been a lot going on with your life since you must have been in the cradle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always, uh, always doing something, trying to. Better busy than bored, I say. Now, Artisan Alley has a lot of good press. Mm-hmm. Even Nancy Hiller, who was a guest on this program a mm-hmm. few years ago, yeah, on her blog, Making Things Work, she talked about you. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what she said about you, Adam. Adam Nehaus is an artist who makes his living by offering resources and creative services to other artists in addition to selling his own work. Mm-hmm. That's what Artisan Alley is all about, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've um, it, it started as kind of one thing and slowly became something totally different. Artisan Alley uh, has evolved over the years. But, yeah, it, it, it started off as just a group of kids that, you know, right after college, uh, we, we didn't have the resources that the college provided anymore. And, and we all started getting professional uh, you know, jobs and professional placements. And we still had that desire to be part of a collective or part of a group. So in college, you know, when I went through it, I, I moved around to different, you know, majors and different programs. And at the end of it all, you know, we're, we kind of reached out to our friends and said, hey, you know, do you guys want to go in on this idea where we all split rent on a, you know, a dilapidated building? But, you know, we kind of turned it into something a little bit better and we started doing art shows and things like that. And it evolved from there. Well, uh, from a Bloom Magazine profile a couple of years ago, April 2017, you're quoted as saying, the moment you leave school, you've got to start over. Because, as you say, when you're in art school, everything's there for yeah. you at your fingertips. Yeah, you've got your you've got this network of new, excited artists that are all generating ideas, and you know you thrive off of that. You've got great instructors that you're surrounded by that are all trying to teach you these new processes. You've got amazing resources, you know, individual rooms that focuses on those processes, whether it's printmaking, screen printing, sculpture, jewelry, painting, you know, photography, all that stuff is just right at your fingertips. And then, you know, when you're done paying that tuition and you walk <laughs> away from it, you're, you know, you're left with the debt and a lot of knowledge. But, you know, as an artist, you need those resources. You need those physical things that you have to then reinvest back into. you got to you know. buy those tubes of latex Absolutely. paint. Absolutely. Brushes, which cost Brushes. a lot of oh, dough. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there are definitely some, you know, programs in college that when you're done, the education is all you need in a laptop. Yeah. But yeah. definitely in the fine arts and a lot of the humanities, uh, you've got to rebuild back up that 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 infrastructure to continue to move forward. You guys have eventually gotten to the point where you have a thing called Artisan Alley. There's a story. Yeah. There have been, uh, shall we say, different incarnations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so start us off. Yeah. You're coming out of college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I left college. 
I, I felt really fortunate, actually. I um, I had a family friend who worked with John Mellencamp, and uh, I, I expressed to him, I was like, do you know any artists that might be hiring? I'm looking for internships from college. And they said, oh, you know, there's this one guy we go to whenever we want to do something sculptural, and his name's Mark Parmenter. He runs uh, a, a, a bronze casting foundry out in Spencer, Indiana. And so I reached out to, to Mark and said, uh, my friend who knows you, who you've done some work with, said you might be interested in maybe an intern, and I'd love to come out there, get some college credit for it, but also learn more of the process. So um, I got, uh, you know, it was, it was through like a professional placement program at IU where, you know, I go out there for a couple of days a week, learn the trade, and I would get college credit for that. So did that for a year. And I was going out there like two times a week uh, learning the mold making process and life casting and modeling and, and doing all the things that a sculptor would do. It's like the old model of being an apprentice. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, pretty much that's what I was, was yeah. an apprentice. I just got college credit for it, so they call it We're an going internship. going back to the medieval. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the old Years. guild style. But right. uh, so, so, you know, after a year, I got college credit for it, but I still had a year left in college. So mm. I asked him, I was like, you know, I really like this work. Could I stay on? And he goes, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I'd actually be willing to pay you. You've learned so much this year. And I had, you had a year where I didn't pay anything. So, you know, do you want to wow. start, start up with me? And I said, oh my God, that'd be great. And, and, you know, he's one of those businesses that he was like, you know, you're not going to be an employee, you're going to be a contractor. Yeah. So that's when I kind of started learning how to be an independent contractor and, and invoicing him and, and learning that side of things, which is something you don't learn in college. You learn to be an employee and not a contractor. So, and so, one of the things with any kind of an artist mm -hmm is we all like to say, to heck with business. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you but, can't, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a totally different hat you got to put on. You know, you can right. you can be a craftsman all day long, right. but if you can't market yourself, if you can't do the business side of it, you're never going to get it out there. So Mark actually uh, was a great mentor to me. He really taught me the business style of things that I didn't get from being in an art school. You know, I mean, maybe Kelly, if I would have taken some classes at Kelly school, that would have been different. But, uh, but yeah, so I worked with him for a number of years. And a couple of years into working for him was when me and some of my college friends said, hey, wouldn't it be great if we kind of brought things back together? We had a place to work out of. And at that time, I was doing, you know, side projects out of my basement. So it was a great advantage to say, yeah, you know, to be able to have more space together, to be able to collaborate together would actually be uh, a huge asset to me. When you say you did stuff out of your basement, mm -hmm. what kind of facilities did you have uh it was a, a basement in a townhome so yeah, I, yeah. I was really limited you know no ventilation Ooh. we didn't have any windows down there or right. anything like that so and i had a single staircase so i couldn't bring any big equipment or anything yeah. like down there so i was doing a lot of craft stuff and uh -huh. and right out right as soon as i got out of iu uh, the IU Robotics Club reached out to me because I was doing stuff through the kinesiology school and fine arts and things like that. So so they said, oh, well, we really want to make a robot hand. You know, is that something you could do? So that's like one thing I did out of my uh, basement was I was working with server motors and, and uh, you know, like a system that implements like brake, you know, uh, bicycle brakes. Yeah. Uh, so you're able to like pull – um, wires through these twists and turns like yeah. a bike does, yeah. uh, like their brake system. So I was using the same thing where each motor in the forearm was rotating and pulling an ind independent 
joint of a hand. So, you know, I had a really limited space in my basement, and but I was still able to, you know, crank out this hand prototype, but it was enlarged. It was oversized. It wasn't life size, but that's, you work your way down right. as technology gets developed. So, so that and was like is, one thing I did. This is like a, a marriage of art and engineering. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I studied all those different things in college, but yeah, the, the marriage of art ties in with so many other things because art is just mostly about the process using sciences that you've got. Yes. So yes, but uh, but it, I was really limited in what I was able to do. I could go out to his foundry and do metalworking or I could work out of my basement and do small craft you know, goods. So this group of friends, you know, we all came together and said, well, let's split rent. And it, that was actually, that gave me the first idea for the cooperative because it wasn't all the same artists. You know, I jumped around in college. So there was a music guy that I met when I was, you know, singing at IU. And then there was uh, a dancer who I met also when I was on the performance side of things. But then there were the fine artists I met through art history classes and, and you know, studio classes. So there was a, a painter and a graphic designer, web designer, writer, all that kind of stuff. And so we all, with all of our different arts, found this this little building that was right across the street from Twin Lakes, the the softball park. Oh, sure. And it was like an old fire extinguisher building or something like that. <laughs> and we we rented it out. And, and for two years, it was more of a clubhouse. It wasn't really open to the public. It was just a place we went to work. But after a couple a of years. shared workspace. Uh, yeah, shared workspace. Okay. I mean, we each had our designated area, but it was yeah. open to all of us. We all knew each other. We all trusted each other. So, right. you know, we were able to roam. But we we have Halloween parties. They weren't like art you know, uh, specific, but, but, you know, we, we just had but little when gatherings artists do that. Oh yeah. The, uh, it's going to turn out. Oh yeah. Artsy. Very artsy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then that had to change the, the, the city of Bloomington was starting to, uh, where they did, they bought the property because they had planned to put in a, a street light there. Uh, and so they, they were like, you, you're going to have to move out. We bought the property. And that was like really disheartening to us. Cause it was this first, you know, club yeah. thing. But luckily, Maya Michelson, um, she told me, she's like, well, if any of you guys actually have a business, uh, then you could apply to get a, like a moving grant because we didn't give you enough uh -huh. time to move out. Uh -huh. Well, like I said, Mark Parmenter set me up as an independent contractor. So I set up a business. The other artists that were part of the space never formalized, you know, like a, a contracting business, but I had. So I applied for this moving grant and they gave us something like $5,000 or something like that. But that money, some of us, uh, the the collective kind of was split. Some of the graphic designers, web designers who could work from home were like, ah, I don't really want to keep this going. I, I would rather save the $100 or whatever to just work from home. But the other half of us, the the writer, the painter, the uh, myself, we were like, well, let's keep this going. Let's invite more artists into it and make it more of an arts thing rather than a private thing. Yeah. And so we used the $5,000 to pay our first month's rent and our deposit. And, yeah. and, and we were able to kind of uh, create like a loft space in one of the larger areas at a warehouse further north on the Beeline Trail. Yeah. And so a lot of people know that building now is like, I think there's like a yoga studio out of it and it's been muraled and it looks, it's like blue and green and red and it's uh -huh. at the far north side. And uh, we were in there as the Trained Eye Art Center. And so that's when we started, we're trying to formalize something. We're like, well, we should make this a thing. We should invite other artists. We should get musicians, that kind of thing. And it slowly became more of a cooperative where we all had different roles and responsibilities. And, right. um, you know, since I had the most experience as a contractor, I handled a lot of the contracts and the finance and the governance uh, where, you know, our our 
graffiti artists or our painters, they handled like the beautification committee and they would do like public, you know, murals and things like that. And, you know, our web designers and graphic designers kind of helped get our website up and going and, you know, started documenting our, our events and, you know, and, and it just kind of grew from there. You mentioned Maya Michelson uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the queen of arts oh, yeah. uh, in Bloomington. Oh, yeah. Now she's the deputy director of the Indiana Arts Commission. That's right. So she essentially gave you the kick. Yeah, she she pointed us in the right direction, gave us a few inside, you know, hey, you should check into this and look into that, and really guided us on, on this path to, to become where we are right now as Artists and Alley. Now, I'm going to leave you right at the Trained Eye Arts Center because I think we go through, I don't know how many incarnations. Yeah, yeah. But let's go back to you specifically and why you were such a key member of this organization. Uh, You have a background that looks like the background of about 10 people. Yeah, okay, thanks. I'm going to go over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I don't embarrass you. No, 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 you're fine. Okay, you've been a sculpting contractor. Mm Mm-hmm. You've been a metal worker and a welder, as you've mentioned. You've started your own rental company. Mm-hmm. You've started a nonprofit. We're going to go into that. Mm-hmm. That ha- that is something that recently happened. Mm-hmm. You have taught swing dance. Mm-hmm. You have been an art tutor. You've been an actor. You've been a singer. You have worked with Krampus Crew. Mm-hmm. You were a co-founder of the Trickle Down Effect Comedy Improv Group. Mm-hmm. And this one, this kills me. You've been a volunteer firefighter with the Bloomington Township Fire Department. Yeah. You, so, hey, do you have fire extinguishers uh, in your place? I'll oh, bet you know you it. Do. You know it. You know <laughs> it. Yeah. You know it all. It, you know from the from, from the foundry beginning. You know, that is what tied into the firefighting side of things. You know, I wanted to learn fire safety, fire yeah. code, wanted to make sure I was doing everything I could. But, but yeah, I mean, through high school and through college, I didn't really think of myself much of an artist, you know, before yeah. I really made that decision to become an artist, I thought, you know, I, I was going to be at IU as a vocal performance major. I thought I was going to be a singer or an actor. Um, and that was from my background in improv, which which I learned in high school as, the, you know, we actually performed right here in the in the Waldron. Well, I guess it's next door, but mm-hmm. we were in the Firehouse Bay yeah. uh, and we did Cletus and Virgil, one of our members, um, uh, his mother worked at, as part of the BAAC as one of the grant writers, Nancy Kruger. And she, I think, reserved some rooms for us so we could practice out of the space. And that that's kind of what started improv in high school. But, and by the way, you worked with a number of people who've been guests on this program. Yes. A lot of locals. Yeah. Emily Goodson, yep. I mentioned. Niall Arena. Yep. I'm sure the Lou, uh, Lou and Addie Rogers, part of Busman's Hall. I don't know if they've been oh, on the yeah. show. but uh, I want them on the show. But They're yeah. good friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're great. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of local um, creatives is the easiest way I can put it, just because I've been from performance, music, fine arts, you know, just a wide array of arts. Yeah, I, I've come across a lot of people and made a lot of good friendships from them. So I want to uh, read you a quote from yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's how you describe yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> I am an entertaining individual willing to do what it takes to bring people together. Yeah, I think that's a nice broad brush stroke because yeah. I I don't define myself as a as an artist, you know, a lot of people do. I think a lot that title gets used a lot. 
But yeah, I, I, I've really liked a lot of the arts. I feel like I was proficient in a lot of them. But yeah, the biggest thing for me is I'm a big extrovert. I'm a big family guy. So I like bringing people together and sharing experiences and trying to help people turn their goals into something more realistic, you know, something concrete. So yeah, I love bringing people together and kind of sharing what they're doing with each other to create and harvest collaboration. So there was then the Trained Eye Arts Center right. is where you left mm -hmm. off. But there have been other forms. Right, yeah. So uh, around the end of the Trained Eye Arts Center, um, a lot of that had to end, one, because uh, our location um, wasn't really working out for us. We wanted long a longer-term agreement, uh -huh. but the landlord wasn't really will willing to provide that. So what happened was the, the, the job that I had at the foundry kind of fizzled out. The owner, Mark Parmenter, he was in his 70s at the time. He uh -huh. was ready to retire. And, you know, I was the workhorse of the 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 group, you know. You uh, had a day job. Being, yeah. yeah, I had that was the day job. But I couldn't maintain uh, the Trained Eye Arts Center financially without a full-time day job. I was yeah. I was contributing personally more than maybe some of the rest uh, on a financial basis because we didn't quite have it as a sustainable organization right. yet. We were all trying to pitch in and I was trying to rent out space. And so if we didn't have a space rented out, it I had to compensate for that. So what ended up happening is I, I took a similar position out in California working at a different uh, foundry business, another art foundry out there. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, I was like, okay, well, the group that I had established as the Train Arts Center here in Bloomington. I said, you know, you guys keep keep it going and, and I'll try to work from, you know, remote location. But that didn't really work out. Um, we had, you know, limitations on maintaining a building space, uh, limitations with keeping up events and and really having somebody which I think I feel like now I was that guy that was really pushing everybody to kind of grow and develop and, and that kind of thing. And without me pushing, it it just it didn't quite keep going. It, it kind of fizzled out at that point. But while I was out in California, I learned about all these cooperatives and, and co-work spaces hmm. that were, was really new at the time. You know, this was the early 2000s, you know. And, and so I was like, well, why don't we why don't we try to do something like that, you know, back in Bloomington? But I was out in California at the time. So when I came back to Bloomington and the train You knew you were coming back. Well, I, w I was only gone for, I think, six, seven months. Okay. And the first three months, I actually thought I was moving out there. I thought I was pursuing my, my you know, goals, my career as an artist. Mm -hmm. But a few months into it, there were some medical issues with my sister here in town. Trained Eye needed me to come back. They were like, they were having some issues. So there was a halfway point where I was like, you know, I really should maybe make my way back and, and see what I can do back there. And, and and the job out there, they they didn't quite have me set up. They they offered me a management position, but the person hadn't left the position yet. So they kind of put me in as a general laborer. So I was doing a lot of grinding work again. And that's really not what I wanted to sign. I I did it for eight years. I did not want to go back into the right. the hard grind of it all. So so you know the position still taught me a lot. Grinding, you mean actually? Oh, I grinding. mean it. Grinding, yeah, yeah. yeah. Metal chasing, grinding, welding, all that stuff. Making was what noise. Oh and yeah. Hot temperatures. Yeah, and my carpal tunnel wasn't into it at that oh, time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I I came back to Bloomington with all these new ideas about how cooperatives could run, about how uh, collectives work together. They actually had this great thing out in the San Francisco Bay Area called the Crucible, and it was all these 
industrial artists, like a, you know, glass workers and metal workers all working under one space as a, as a creative center. And so I took a lot of those ideas and brought them back to Bloomington with me and, and actually reached out to Maya Michelson again and said, hey, do you have any spaces that I might be able to kind of get this going again? Hmm. And she mentioned that the Switchyard, uh, Parks and Rec was doing the Switchyard projects, which, which they're, you know, they're mid-construction right now. Right. But five years ago, um, they were like, you know, we've got two buildings and we don't know what to do with them. It'd be great if you wanted to get in there and do something and find, you know, a cheap rental space that you could develop into something over the years. So so that was another entity, you know, I'm kind of bringing it back. Um, when we, when I started everything back up, uh, you know, just as myself again, without the collective, we were kind of toying around with the name Switchyard Studios. Mm-hmm. Well, there was another music group in Bloomington called the Switchyard, um, which was like a, a private home that musicians would come to and play uh, from. Yes, yes. But I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. And Switchyard Brewing at the time was looking at that piece of property right across the street from us. So there's all these other Switchyard things happening. So I was like, okay, that, that name's not going to work out. Right. So then we came up with the name Artisan Alley because we'd learned from the Trained Eye Art Center. Uh, we called ourselves the Trained Eye Art Center because it was the intersection of two train lines, the uh-huh. Beeline Trail and the Illinois-Indiana line that runs right there. But I was at that point, I was like, I'm not going to name ourselves after any physical location. i got to come up with something else. So Artisan Alley, we felt like, really embodied what we were trying to do because we were starting to venture out beyond just artists we were looking at other handmade people you know people that do things with their hands you know um so we we shifted the name to artist alley at that point uh back when we were on south rogers now i'm going to go over the list offerings from artisan alley Mm -hmm. what people can come to the public can come and avail themselves of your services or even participate Mm-hmm. You have a burl and ingot tool library. Those are two different kinds of tools. Right, right. Yeah. So um, at South Rogers, we a lot of these things I think you're getting ready to list off uh, were ideas that uh, our group came up with. Yeah. And um, one of them was a tool library. We had a handful of artists that said, wouldn't it be great if we had a place to share tools at? But and, you mean people could just come in and say, I need this this item. Yeah. And yeah. I'm using it here. And They're well, not taking it they, home. They can actually take oh, some I of them see. home okay. yeah so right. anything that um you know our, our liability insurance won't let us uh won't won't let the public take electric tools home uh, or right. anything with motors because there's an inherent danger exactly and, yeah. and we don't want to be liable for that so um we let people take basic hand tools home like if you don't if you don't have something like that at home and you don't want to go out and spend money on anything like that you can you can rent it take it home use it for a week or or renew it just like the li- a regular library does and then bring it back and so Burl and ingot uh when we created berlin ingot it was two garages separated because you don't yeah. want to put metal in the same spaces well that's the thing uh, these are, this is not like a, a law firm uh you know right uh, yeah mr burl and ms ingot right yeah, right burl tools are are the wood tools so uh-huh. a burl a burl is a, a lot of it's a, a technical term a burl is a sought after piece of wood that has a very different uh wood grain to it because it's a cancerous part of uh-huh. of a tree trunk Ooh. and so it grows rather Rather than in the rings that most yeah. trees grow, it, it's really weird, and so and so it, it's it, like it's, a node or something. Exactly, you know? and 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 because it has such a, a bizarre grain structure, it's really sought after for veneers and surfaces uh-huh. because it, of the texture that it creates. And then ingot, that's also another technical term in the bronze casting or any casting metal casting uh, industry. An ingot is kind of the 
ice cube, quote, quotation marks, ice cube that you put into the crucible and that melts it down and that charges the crucible so you can pour that metal. But it's just a solid chunk of metal that you use to melt back down. I thought the crucible was a play, but what do I know? <laughs> uh, let's go on with this list. You have workshop space that you offer mm -hmm. to people, event space. You mm -hmm. have a classroom for teachers to hold classes. Mm -hmm. You offer, under your own aegis, creative art classes. Mm -hmm. You have the Twisted Lounge, which is a space for meetings and seminars. Mm -hmm. You have a computer lab. Mm -hmm. You have a co-work lab. You have a community market where you have all kinds of vendors. Mm -hmm. You have the Dimensions Gallery. You have uh, uh, exhibits featuring local and visiting artists mm -hmm. in that gallery. All kinds of exhibitions. You rent spaces. They could be private studios or industrial studios. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on here. This oh, is yeah. like the, the full-service, uh, one-stop shop for an artist or a creative person right. or an artisan. Now that brings up... What's the distinction between an artist and an artisan? I, I get a lot of people that ask me that too. Um, you know, I think the the term artist is used really broadly. I think it, but people it, people that see somebody that has created something, they go to artists. And, and I might personally have a different definition. I think an artist is somebody that is um, really pushing the envelope. They're they're creating something that is meant to convey a message message or or evoke an emotion or or get people to think about like some something social or economic that's going on, they're really making a statement, you know, I feel like. But I feel like other people that make things that might get dubbed with the, the name artist, they might be craftsmen, they might be uh -huh. artisans, they might be contractors or makers or something along those lines. And so artisan, I feel like, is probably another, like, wide statement. It, it, it categorizes a lot of different types of creators into a, a, a title of made by hand. And I feel like artisan is just a generic term for it's something made by hand. And so by creating something called Artisan Alley, it's not specifically focused on fine arts. It can focus on musical arts or dance performance. I mean, it could be martial arts or, or artisan breads or yeah, anything really, as long as it's something that somebody is creating and it's like unique to them in, in their trade. If someone's interested in finding out more about this operation, mm -hmm. What do they do? So I, I think the easiest way to go um, is check out our website, our, our www.artisanalley.com. Uh -huh. um, from there, you can see our kind of our 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 resources and the resources you mentioned were Berlin Ingot. That's the tool library resource. Yeah. Made is the classroom. Uh, Twisted Why is- Why made? It's an acronym for, uh, oh, I got to remember it, Ma <laughs> Ma Manifesting Art and Developing Expression. Wow. Um, and so um, that was an acronym at the time. Both the classroom and the lounge were originally a, a consignment store. We were trying to give artists an opportunity to sell products out of our space. So we would give artists 100% of the commission. We didn't right. take anything if they became a member, but if they weren't a member, that was fine. We still wanted to give them a better than normal percentage because we we're more going for the nonprofit at the time. But you can't do so that anymore. 30. Yeah, we, we couldn't do that anymore. Why? Once we got our nonprofit status, which uh -huh. we got back in February, the, the consignment model is more of a for-profit 
structure. Yeah. So instead, what we've done is we still allow our members to put art up on the walls, but we can't act as the payment processor for that. So we can't act as the middle person. So what we do now is if somebody comes in and sees a piece of art they like, we just put them in touch with the artist directly, and then the artist can process that transaction independently uh, rather than us acting as the middleman. We can still you know, create that experience and, and try to give somebody that one-on-one time. Oh, I get to meet the artist. That's great. And some, some people come in and find a, a a piece of artwork and they like it, but they want it to be a little different. So then the buyer can talk to the artist about something new and something custom for them. And and that creates a whole other, um, you know, piece of artwork. La, 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 la. We've run out of time. So join us Monday for Big Talk Extra during the 5 p.m. Daily Local News for more of this conversation. It's called Artisan Alley. Uh, we're with Adam Nahas. He's the executive director. He was the founder. Adam, thanks for being on Big Talk. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. 